Hey everyone, it's King Kyrie here coming at you from the age of the millennial. I know it's been a while, but I am back and I am better than ever. I took a relatively long hiatus um, simply to deal with life. Um, I know that I left off very ominously uh, talking about the passing of my mother. Um, I'm not sure if I told you all about the passing of my aunt uh, less than two months afterwards, but uh, my family has been going through it. Um, but I am here to say that I've taken my mother's advice and I am now, uh, living my life for me. Uh, I'm not sure if you can tell or hear to my voice, but I'm doing, emotionally speaking, much better, I believe. I have a wonderful job that I'm able to support myself and pay my bills, and, um, as much as I love it, though, it does take up quite a bit of my time, so I am not able to post as often, but I met two very interesting individuals today at the gym, and I told them about my podcast, and so I believe that it's time to, and they followed me, so I believe that it's time to post about some of the things that have been going on. And this one is going to be, you know, returning to the basics, a little bit more fun. It's about my experience with seeing both Beyonce and Pink in less than a week, back to back, so to speak. And those two, if you know me, are in my holy trinity of artists when it comes to the music I listen to. Beyonce is number one. I know if you're a Pink fan, you're probably like, what the fuck? But no, Beyonce is number one. Pink is number three. And I'm going to give you guys a, a few moments to sort of guess, you know, guess who the third one is. Who's number two of the Holy Trinity. And to be clear, um, they're all pretty close. You know, I can turn on any of them at any moment and say, you know, this is my jam. And they have very different discographies. Discographies, whatever. Um, but they are very near and dear to my heart. And so number two is going to be Lady Gaga. For those of you who got it, give yourselves a pat on the back. For those of you who were thinking it was Taylor Swift, I'm sorry. But no, Taylor Swift is in my... I don't even know, like top 15, maybe uh, <laughs> top 15, but no, to round out my top five, I'm going to have to say that it's going to be, uh, number four is going to be the weekend and number five is going to be Lana Del Rey. Lana Del Rey used to be in my top four, but, um, as she's gotten deeper into her craft, um, her music has taken a, a sort of change where I don't listen to every song on the album. Um, for anyone who's listening, and obviously you can probably tell from this uh, introduction of this particular episode, I love music. And so if you listen to Lana Del Rey, her first four albums, I believe that there are no skippable tracks. Now that's a controversial take for those of you who are Lana Del Rey fans, because I know that Honeymoon was not the fan's favorite. However, listening to Honeymoon and the, the songs that are on there, people said that a lot of them were too slow but I feel that they are very, very heartfelt songs. And um, the time that I needed those songs and they were there for me to listen to, I was able to cry when I wanted to cry. I was able to feel sexy when I wanted to feel sexy. And Honeymoon, her third album, is probably the best. Uh, And I know that's a controversial take, but it's between, for me, it's between Honeymoon and OG Original. And... I know people are like, what about this one? What about that one? I don't care. You know, don't don't talk to me. Argue with the wall. I believe that Honeymoon is 
a great album. Um, she dabbled with a lot of stuff, but I digress. I could talk about Lana Del Rey in my top five forever, but no, going back to my experience um, with seeing Beyonce and Pink, first of all, these are my first two concerts ever. Um, I grew up poor. I didn't really have money to go and do things. And so getting this job, um, I found out Beyonce was coming to Houston and I, I toiled with this decision, you guys. And I really, really felt guilty paying this money to go and see her. Um, but it was one of those moments where, you know, I, I, I had a conversation with my mom before she passed and she told me uh, again, I need to start living for me. And I thought about it as like, my bills are paid. I can put this money away and I can save it, but I can't take it with me. Um, if I go, and this is a, an experience, uh, I'm paying for the experience. I don't need to see an incredible performer, but also to experience something that I've been wanting to experience for a long, long time. And I had the money to do so. So I'm not ashamed to say that I spent $1,200 that's with tax to go and see Beyonce. And I was on the floor. I was by the stage. I took some incredible pictures. Uh, I took some great video, I believe. And there are so many more that I won't share because this was sort of my moment. I, I shared on my Instagram what I wanted to share, but I kept all the others to myself simply because this was a very emotional time for me, you know, dealing with everything that I was dealing with, you know, the, the emotional um, guilt of going to see this and then just relaxing and having a good time and not worrying about everything and not worrying about, you know, money and not worrying about my family, just going there and having a good time for me. I enjoyed it. I wanted to keep those moments to myself. Because I spent so much and I went through Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster sends you all sorts of um, promos and um, I went to go see Beyonce the 23rd of September, that's a Saturday. Pink was coming to town and I knew that and I, I, I debated on who to go see and the, the part of the reason why there was a debate at all was because of Beyonce's ticket prices. Uh, but I chose to go to Beyonce anyway. I kid you guys not, the day of Pink's concert, I end up getting an alert from Ticketmaster saying that there are closeout tickets and what that what that is apparently is tickets that they need to sell that um, haven't sold just so they can sell out the show, so they can sell out the theater. And I saw a really good seat. It wasn't on the floor uh, like with Beyonce, but I saw a really good seat in a really good section and it was only $50. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's the catch? So I, you know, was at work, right? It was about to get off and I was like, let me go ahead and see if this is legit. So I go on Ticketmaster.com on my computer and they're the same prices. So the alert that I got on my phone was legit. So I go in and I pay and after taxes, it was 80 bucks to go and see Pink, one of my top three. And I heard that her performances were amazing and that this, this was gonna be a phenomenal concert. It's got great reviews. And for 80 bucks after taxes, why not? So I literally ran home, took a shower, drank a protein shake and <laughs> because I hadn't eaten that day and I ran to the concert and I got there, I parked, and the fucking parking was $75. Like, the parking was almost, well, it's actually more than the ticket, and I was just flabbergasted by that, but I didn't care because 
even after that, the t the price of the concert was like a hundred and like eighty bucks after taxes because apparently parking has you have to pay taxes on parking too, which is weird. Anyway, um, I ended up going and I ended up having a blast. Um, she had openers, unlike Beyonce, Beyonce didn't have openers, there was just music and a DJ, and once everything, to be quite fair, there were also a lot of celebrities that showed up to Beyonce's concert, um, but to, uh, put things in perspective, you know, when the lights went down, the, uh, the, the guest openers came on, they performed, and, you know, I jammed to a few of their songs, I didn't really know who they were, but it was interesting seeing new artists, and the crowd apparently knew who they were, because the crowd was into it, I was like, okay, you know, some of these songs are bop, some of them were, you know, not my taste, but then, a, a DJ came out and started spinning, he's like, I know y'all, who y'all came here for, started pay, playing some songs, and I looked at the time, and it was like 8, you know, 45-ish, 8.46-ish, and about 14 minutes until the concert was supposed to officially kick off, so he was playing until Pink was officially ready, and at 9 o'clock, he was like, chur, 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 I'm out, and you see him leave the stage, and there were lips at the top of, um, if you've been to Pink's concert, uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything, however, because she's still touring, but if you, uh, go to her concert there are these lips uh at the very top of the stage and the mouth opened up and she's like hello it's time to get the party started and she started off the concert with um i think that's the name of the song uh i'm here to get the party started or uh, let the party start or someone think something and uh it's 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 kind of fucked up because i know that song like word for word uh, I'm coming up, so you better get the party started. Like, I know that song word for word, and it just kills me. I don't know the fucking name of that, but she came out of the lips, and she jumped down, and she was doing all these acrobatics, and that's one thing I will say comparing the two concerts. When Beyonce came out, it was like this pageant, and she started singing these very slow um, very heartfelt songs, these ballads, and then it, it progressed to a time to start the renaissance, and then it, it, it started, you know, the music started pumping, and she ended up leaving and doing a, a wardrobe change, and then, uh, like, the, the visual started and everything, and then she came out hard singing, um, I'm That Girl, and, you know, going off her album, but Pink just said fuck that and just came out just singing and just dancing and like her first set for her concert just blew me away because and then she was singing like live her vocals were so good and of course to 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 put things into perspective Beyonce's vocals were superior but when it comes to Pink's vocals, she was on point. She had a lot of backup tracks that Beyonce didn't have. So Beyonce had backup uh, tracks going, but she also had backup uh, singers that sang a lot of her uh, backing vocals from the recordings that you would hear when you play her soundtracks. And so a lot of Beyonce's uh, singing was live, whether it was her or her background uh, singers. It was live, what you were hearing. Very uh, few takes uh, of her segments were backing vocals. But with Pink, she sang along to some of her songs and she sang the lead, but you can hear her own voice and the backing vocals. And then occasionally you'll hear her backup singers who were phenomenal singers um, singing along with her. And 
regardless, Pink brought the energy to begin with. I will say that Beyonce brought the energy, but at the same time, I felt like her set uh, throughout the entire performance was more reserved. I felt like she was on the precipice of going off, but she didn't go off in the way that she uh, did, you know, for like shorter performances that she's done on like Grammy performances or for the Super Bowl, things like that, because she didn't, she didn't know she had to uh, conserve her energy. When it came to the uh, concert, Beyonce's was longer. Uh, she, I think she performed... 33 songs uh some of those some of them which were covers um and that was uh something that i noticed right off the bat is that when pink's uh concert was over i was like wait a minute that's it and granted i know i didn't pay nearly as much but i was always i was there wanting more when pink was you know waving goodbye and flying around the uh stadium granted it was a weekday it was a wednesday and it was uh, a little bit past 11:50 when she finally walked off the stage and the lights came on however um i i wanted more from pink with beyonce i was satiated because she went through her entire renaissance album something that she did not do for other um, concerts, and I found that out that Houston actually had an extended concert, and we got to see Megan The Stallion perform live for the first time. If you went to the Saturday show, which I did, um, you got to see Megan The Stallion and Beyonce perform Savage the Remix live for the first time in history. And when I found that out, I was like, I recorded part of that. I loved it. I loved that song. Megan got out there and she's like, I love you, B. And Beyonce's like, you know, you my bitch. And like, it was just the camaraderie there. It was just amazing. And then listening to the vocals that Megan Thee Stallion put out, even though she is only rapping, she sounded just like her track, uh, her uh, part in the song. And I know she wasn't singing, lip singing, because I know like you can hear the difference. You can hear the utterances. You can hear the breaths and all the different cadences. And you can hear um, when she, you know, inhaled and she started uh, talking about, you know, what her part entailed. I'm not going to say anything because if you're easily offended, Savage is not the song for you. (laughs) I'm just going to say that right now. And that's another thing. Beyonce sang the songs that she was singing in the uh, album as they were written with the swear words and all. Pink, who was known at the very beginning of her career for being that girl, for being the I don't give a fuck. um, She had her daughter there and her daughter sang with her a song that was very beautiful. Her daughter has great vocals. Her name is Willow, in case you didn't know. Um, Because I didn't know that until she brought her out on stage. And um, she policed herself. Her backing vocals, you can hear her say, uh, fucking perfect. So in the song, it goes, Pretty, pretty, please, don't you ever, ever feel like you're less than fucking perfect. But she saying the edited the radio version and I was a little disappointed and there, not only that one but it was a uh, blow me one last kiss there were uh you know the slick whiskey dick part um she edited that part as well um there were uh, other songs that she sang obviously like so what uh and then uh raise your glass and um uh, other ones that she had that she fucking sweared and She's, she's like, I'm a mom now, so I've got, you know, be more conscientious of what I say. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. But you don't have to be that way. I mean, I'm pretty sure your parent, your, your kids have heard your unedited songs. And even if they are there in the audience or backstage, 
I think they would understand you're singing along for an audience who has always known who you were. And so I was a little disappointed that she policed herself and that she wasn't the person she was in in, in her uh, album and in her songs. And Beyonce was the exact opposite. She she was that bitch. When and she when Cozy came on, she sang that part. When I'm that girl came on, she sang the hell out of it. When he did came on, she sang that part. And the theatrics involved with both of their sets were just amazing. Um, I will say. Going back to the audience, because I know I mentioned the audience and what they were expecting, the audience demographic was something that I really wasn't expecting from both Beyonce and Pink's concert, because Beyonce's concert, there were a lot of gay dudes, obviously, but there were so many different races and different age groups that I was sort of taken aback, and I thought about it, I was like, of course, she's been doing this for a while, but there are so many people that have said, I didn't know Beyonce was doing new music, and they said the same thing about Pink, I didn't know Pink was doing new music, and they both released albums, well, Pink released one this year, and Beyonce released one last year, and they've been, of course, been doing music, and I mean, I guess it's just because they're in my top three that I keep up with them, but the demographics of the uh, audience also changed the experience. I felt more open at the Beyonce concert um, because everyone seemed just so friendly. At the Pink concert, there were literally women who were telling people in my row that they shouldn't be yelling so loud. I mean, this is a Pink concert. This is Pink. And you're having Karens literally tell us well, not us, but the girls that were next to me, that they're being too loud. And there, that was a sentiment that was apparently shared by some other people. And they were like, this is a pink concert. Like, what are y'all expecting? And I said out loud, it's like, yeah, this is not Barbara Streisand. And I think some of them got offended. But at the same time, she's not singing, pink's not singing ballads, you guys. There are some slow songs that she sang. And I will tell you, she sang one from her new album, um that made me cry. I broke down in tears. I sat down and I cried because um, I wasn't expecting her to sing it. But the moment she started telling her story about her dad passing, I knew that this song was coming. And um, if you aren't aware that Pink has a new album, it's called Trustfall. And if you are expecting the in-your-face, doesn't-give-a-shit Pink, you're not going to find that. Artists who evolve um, and change their style grow and I appreciate that growth and I can grow with that growth there are sometimes when artists change their sound to a point there I'm like yeah you know this is not for me L King being one of them it doesn't matter but this individual changed and I took the time to listen to her album and the critics shredded it they said this is not pink this is not what I was expecting and I think that was the point of contingency for a lot of people because I I wrote a I wrote a review about this album and I said it was phenomenal and the rating that it got and the reviews that it got were ba- because people were expecting something else from Pink but if Adele had sang these songs oh this would be a, 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 a 10 across the board because the first song that Pink has on Trustfall is called When I Get There and it's about her father passing you know her mother's still alive and it it goes to uh about you know how he just couldn't wait 
you know, to go. I mean, he was suffering and now he's happy. He's up there in heaven and he's living his afterlife. And she's anticipating what it's like to see him again. And that's why the song is called When I Get There. She has all these questions for him and they're posed in the song. And she's like, I bet you'll tell me when I get there. And so the reason why, of course, that means so much to me, because my mom passed and not knowing what to expect from Pink or any artist, because I didn't know what to expect from Beyonce and Renaissance. I I play the album and I start from the beginning usually, and then I uh, end up hitting shuffle later on uh, to listen to it in a different order. But I play it from the beginning. And when that song came on and I absorbed the message, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, this this album came out in May, um, I cried. I, I bawled. I put it on repeat and I cried. I think I, I just bawled, uh, for hours listening to that song. And one of the reasons why, and I have not shared this with anyone, but I'm going to share it with y'all now. Uh, when I left my mom, the last time I saw her conscious, um, I told her, you know, I would be back. Um, and I, I would come to visit. Life is strange because you don't know um, if that's true or not. Um, Here I am, I'm getting emotional now. But the fact of the matter is um, I got busy with work and time slipped away from me. The first year I was back um, in Houston because they were in Indiana, my father died um, three months after I got here. Uh, 2021, October 17th, the anniversary of his passing is coming up. And so that hit me hard. And then about a month after that, my mom suffered a stroke and she ended up uh, being unresponsive. And so I ended up flying back. It was an emergency. I flew back in November and we spent Thanksgiving um, at the hospital, you know, with my mom and I was her power of attorney, went over everything and I never, I left before she woke up. So I never got to speak to her. I left knowing that she was going to be okay though. Um, and then of course, you know, 2022 came around. I ended up struggling financially. I ended up you know, having to deal with my own medical needs, my own uh, psychological needs with my therapist and my stuff that I never really got the chance to, you know, really talk to her. I I will say I spoke to her over the phone a couple times and then we had our, 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 our fight and we stopped talking to each other. Um, I can be stubborn. She can be stubborn. Um, and so I got a new phone. I got a new number. And my brothers both reached out to me. This was in December. So we had our fight in August. And from August, September, October, November, we didn't talk. December comes around and my brothers get mad at me and they're like, you need to talk to her. And, you know, I finally was like, fine, what? And I, but I don't talk to her. I talk to them. They're like, you need to talk to her. She's got to tell you something. And I'm like, what does she have to say? What? And so I finally, you know, decided that I was going to call her 
on Christmas, because I had to work Christmas, um, I decided to call her, and she's like, well, I was hoping to talk to you before this, uh, but I just wanted you to know that I was in the hospital, and they did some tests, and it turns out that I have, um, leukemia, um, and I was like, okay, what does that mean for you? And she told me the prognosis, um, would typically require chemotherapy. The problem she was facing uh, was that she didn't have a healthy heart because she had heart surgery in 2013. She also had a metallic heart valve. Um, And then she had bad kidneys because she was uh, diagnosed in 2001 with uh, renal kidney failure. So she didn't have functioning kidneys, so she couldn't go on chemo. So I asked her at that point, what was her option? And she said, well, there isn't one. And I'm like, so what does that mean? What are you telling me? It's Christmas. And she's like, well, that means that I'm going to die soon. And so I'm in the parking lot of my shitty job uh, before I got this new one. I had a shitty, terrible job Um, on Christmas Day. And I'm looking and I'm thinking to myself what it took me off guard and so all of this happened I start talking to her again obviously because they said that um, she would have uh, six months at the longest well Christmas day she told me which is the 25th of December uh, my plan was to go see her the 27th of January which was my birthday I was going to take off and go and see her. Uh, she died the 19th of January. So, I didn't have the option. And so, all of this, you know, hit me hard. And so, when I played Pink's album and that song came on, as you can hear now, you know, I'm crying. Um, the level of emotion I felt, the level of guilt, everything all the questions I wish I had asked her you know came flooding back and I never really talked to anybody about that um it just hit so hard and so to hear Pink's story and then to hear her sing that live you know people sat down I guess they didn't really get the impact because this uh particular song wasn't promoted it was at the beginning of her album but it wasn't promoted uh Probably because she wanted it to be something for her dad. And so she ended up um, singing this song. I just bawled. I just cried so hard. And the women next to me were looking at me like, what the fuck is his problem? Like, and I didn't tell them, you know, I'm not trying to bring the mood down. And I, I know that's not what Pink wanted because she made sure not to cry. So she must have rehearsed the shit out of the song and she must have been ready to sing this song. Granted, her uh, father passed a couple of years ago, so she has probably been able to deal with it. You know, my mom's been gone not even a year yet. And hearing this song and being at this concert because of what she told me over the phone um, after we started talking again, 
it, it sort of just came to a, a head. So when it comes to the emotional aspect of the concerts, Pink had the edge. Um, but I also feel that Beyonce doesn't let us see the emotional side to her. I, I, I know Lemonade is a one-off. And granted, we saw the scornful, uh, bitter, you know, angry side of her with Lemonade. But we didn't see the part of Beyonce that I saw of Pink on stage. And having the ability to also relate to Pink, um, having lost my dad, having lost my mom, it made it that much more significant. So the emotional aspect of the concerts, Pink had it by a mile. And it, it was it was that part that I could really relate to and just sort of enjoy. And it, I, it felt good to cry. It felt good to feel what somebody else was feeling. And so I know Pink didn't cry. I cried enough for both of us. And so I just enjoyed the shit out of that song. If you have the ability to listen to Pink's album, Trust Fall, Give it a listen to, put it on, and just, you know, walk away and listen to it as background noise while you're doing a chore or doing something, and just listen to what she's saying in each of her songs, because she goes from, you know, asking, wanting to ask her dad all these questions, and then the saying at the end, you know, I'll wait until I'll get there. And then moving on from that to Trustfall, to Turbulence, to um, all, oh God, there's just so many different songs that mean so many different things. And it's all about an emotional journey and maturing and growing up and realizing that you still have so much life to live. She brought up her her age and she brought it up as a negative saying she was 43. Uh, Beyonce brought up her age too saying that, you know, she's 42. I mean, they're, they're, they have so much life left to live. And I, I don't think that uh, Pink... Uh, gives herself enough credit. I believe that they're both heavily insecure um, because Beyonce has spoken about the times when, you know, she's listened to critics. And you can look at look up these things online on YouTube. She's talked about how um, the critics told her that Dangerously in Love wouldn't have a single hit. And for those of you who don't know, Beyonce had her first album dangerously in love and then went back to destiny's child and a lot of people questioned that move but at the time if she listened to those critics because she may have been insecure that could have been a reason why because if you look at the early reviews for dangerously in love critics were not kind to beyonce they were not kind at all and then you look at the reviews for pink's albums the critics hated and they, they still hate on Pink. And I don't understand why. Because the same type of energy that is put into her albums, other artists do the same thing and they get praised for it. So I think it's a, a bias against the individual, possibly due to her lack of caring for how other people treat her or other people treat other people because Pink may have insecurities that she has displayed in her concert but she will fight for other people I have seen that and she had a song that she sung that was not released onto the radio and she even spoke about it herself saying that it's that we're in a day and age when you can re- just release a single that you can just release a song that no one's ever heard of and perform it and just enjoy it and so she did that and it was a song that I didn't really know, didn't really, um, can't really 
tell you much about, or should I say I don't want to tell you much about, all I will say is it had a lot to do with essentially fuck the establishment. And there are a lot of people who went to her concert who I believe are, may have taken it as a anti-Republican type thing, but it, it, it wasn't because it had LGBT positive. It had uh, a lot of uh, uh, animosity towards politicians, but it wasn't anti-Republican. It was pro-woman. And there are a lot of people in the audience who, when she was performing that song, sort of like shook their head. And I'm thinking to myself, who were y'all expecting to see? And I, I don't know. Maybe they, that's just me. Uh, there are a lot of people that say politics shouldn't be put into music. However, Renaissance had a lot of politics in it. And I mean, America has a problem is the name of one of Beyonce's songs in that song. And people are like, oh, well, that's not what that song's about. Listen to the lyrics and apply it to America. Listen to um, the one that she released for the radio, her a radio single. What was it? Um, Break My Soul about, you know, quitting the job she hates and doing what she loves. Because people don't think of Beyonce or Pink or any artist as having a job. They think, oh, they're just celebrities. No, they put in work. And so if you are part of a record label and you quit that record label, you're quitting your job and you're going out there and you're finding a new one. It may be the same position that you're in, but you're working with a different company. If I work for the company that I'm working for now and I quit, I quit my job but I go and find the same exact role in a different company, I still quit my job. So people are like, how can she say she just quit her job? Well, she's no longer partnered with, uh, is, was it Adidas or somebody? She's not a partner with somebody and she felt so good about that. Now she's able to do what she wants to do with her brand. So she theoretically quit her job and she's better off for it. Granted, that's on a much larger, different scale that many people can't relate to, but I can certainly relate to, I just quit my job because I quit a shitty job at Saltgrass and started working for a uh, technology telecommunications company making really great money. I can relate to that, that sentiment. I just quit my job. I just let down my hair. I cut my hair. I cut my hair in a new way. I wish, and I'm going to uh, try and establish this podcast um, using visuals and a camera so y'all can put a face to the voice because uh, I, I started cutting my hair a different way. I, I'm i starting to reinvent myself. I'm starting to live my life because I usually, before my mom's passing, lived on the edge, very frugal. I kept everything and I wanted to be in control. But my mom's passing, you know, when she was diagnosed and told that she is going to die, um, that she couldn't control that. And you can't control that. There are things in life you cannot control and death is one of those. So I'm learning to not be so controlling and I'm starting to live my life. And I recommend any of you listening to this, this is not a brag. And I, if you've gotten this far, I probably should have stated this earlier. But this is not a brag that, oh, I got to go see Beyonce and Pink. Yeah. It's me saying that I'm taking a step forward in my own emotional development and starting to love myself enough to do things for myself. Because if you don't love yourself, no one will ever love you. And being able to love yourself means being able to celebrate you. I went to both of these concerts alone and I had a great time. 
the people in my life either didn't want to go, didn't like the artist, or couldn't afford it, and I didn't press the subject. I said, that's fine, but I'm not paying a grand for you to go see Beyonce. I'm gonna just go by myself and just do the pictures. And so, <laughs> and so there is that. I know there are people probably like, oh, you could have, you know, went with somebody. The Pink concert, it was a, a split decision moment. I literally bought the ticket at work, ran home, and was off to the uh, stadium. So that right there, one of my friends was like, why didn't you invite me? He's like, well, it, it was a split decision thing. I do apologize. I sent you guys pictures as I was walking into the stadium. Like, my bad. But if you want to show up, they still got tickets for sale. Show up. And he was like, nah, it's cool. I'm like, don't bitch me out. Like, there's still tickets for sale. I want a ticket master. There are still $80 tickets for sale. Buy a ticket and come see me. We won't be able to sit together, but we can still enjoy the concert together. Anyway, um, this is going to be the start of my new season. I know that there are some very... I'm not going to say they were they were negative because they're not. It was it's my history that I was talking about and I told you all that I was going to finish it. And there may come a point when I do, but I am not in the headspace, so to speak, to finish my story. So I'm going to leave that for another time. I life is complicated. I'm going to give y'all this before I go. No one in your life is ever going to make you happy 100% of the time. You will be disappointed in the ones that you love. They, they will disappoint you in one way or another. Maybe a small disappointment, it may be a large disappointment, but you will be disappointed by what they do or what they don't do. There are times in my life that my mom has disappointed me. There's nothing that I can do about it now. I'm not going to hold it against her. I'm not going to hold it against a dead woman. I love my mother despite all the things that happened between us. And if you've heard me talk about the things that have occurred in the past and you ask yourself, how could you love your mother after all this time? After everything that's happened? How could you miss her and cry for her so much? Because loving someone means loving them for who they are and not who you wanted them to be. This is King Kyrie. Peace out for now.